Welcome everyone back to Above the Fold, again with Jeff and Francis, two guys in the trenches of digital marketing and SEO. From Brafton, of course. Francis, how you doing? Welcome back from vacation. Right back at you, sir. You, uh, it's vacation was uh, vacation was fantastic. I kind of forgot how to work after vacation, so this whole week has kind of been reintroducing myself to the uh, the day to day. Frankly, I didn't even notice you were gone. No offense. That's great. You know what? I did fine. Don't miss me at all. Don't me. Don't even make me bring up the photo again that's in my office. That is a constant reminder of your existence. <laughs> you know, it's a constant reminder of your existence. Um, Africa by Toto. Uh, I have to just state for the audience real quick. <laughs> Francis sent me a version of Africa by Toto by the Wellington International Ukulele Orchestra. And I got to say, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was it's great. I've been it's cracking great. up all and morning. Full, cred- <laughs> full credit. It's got to go to the managing editor, uh, Greg Rowden. Rowhan. Rowden. I'm going to mess that up, Greg. I'm sorry. It's just the, I, we've only been on a first name basis. We haven't really used last names, but uh, he and I talk on a semi-weekly basis. Um, yeah, sounds like you're real close. You don't even know his last name. Yeah, we're absolutely very, <laughs> he's the one who sent that to me. He, Stop. he listened to the podcast and he said, of all things beyond the feedback, he was like, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. And um, I chatted him and I said, you know what, for me now that's, that's the original Africa song. Oh. I, I don't want to hear anything else. <laughs> I, I think, I think that's a little bit aggressive. And I think that's what? doing a major disservice to our friends at Toto. Come on. I, it's good. Did you hear it? No, it's it's good. amazing. It's good. It's absolutely amazing. No, it, it is good. But, I mean, come on, man. This is, you're, you're, you're messing with a museum here. You're messing with history. I don't think I'm messing with anything. I think I'm just being honest and truthful about, you know, great music and uh, when I hear it. <laughs> you're so classy. You've got so much taste. <laughs> uh, what did you uh, what did you end up doing on your vacation? I went to the Outer Banks uh, with the family, with my family and three other families um, uh, for about a week. It was uh, it was great. It was relaxing. We had a house on the beach. Um, there was also a pool. We had like eight bathrooms <laughs> going from like for one bathroom reason? at the house. Do you have- well, because the house is huge. The house is humongous. It's got to take on like four or five families. So there's going to uh-huh. be multiple bathrooms. The fact that I could just walk around a corner and end up in a bathroom was great. Are you still um, paying those folks to act like your family so you don't seem like an odd person, <laughs> like an odd middle-aged man <laughs> cruising around? That's, I, I, that was told to you in, in private, Jeff. <laughs> that's, and, um, that's, that's why you didn't go out on uh, air information. That's like why this. you didn't I mean, go out. If you want to talk on. about paying people to be your family, how was your vacation? <laughs> well, you notice that I didn't do it on a uh, holiday weekend. Their rates are very, very expensive. There's like double time. So I try to, I, I try to catch my uh, my paid family on a lull. Uh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was good. Uh, we go out to this place. <clears throat> Excuse me. We got to this place out in. If you're in Tahoe and you add, you go about an hour and a half due northwest until your phone stops working. You're basically there, and you're out in the woods. There's no cell phone reception, and they're still playing Vanilla Ice. So you, you just kind of go into a, a, a time machine in the forest. And um, it's good because you, you completely drop off the grid. You really can't do can't do phone calls out there. You can't do uh, internet. I mean, you're just back to roots. And it, you, I've talked about this with you before. I do wood carving. I'm, I'm yep. a true renaissance man. So it's a really good yeah, place to sure. sit 
drink beer and uh, do wood carving, play board games with my paid family, um, all that good stuff. What did you whittle? Um, this time I was just, uh, you know, I was ideating. I didn't actually whittle anything. I actually didn't okay. even pick up a knife. I was, I was picking up some inspiration and ideas by detaching from electronics. You were too drunk to whittle. We okay, I was too drunk understood. to whittle. Yeah, yeah, that's You're too right. drunk to whittle. I was too drunk to whittle. <laughs> it, I, how, I like how you read right through my BS and just went right for the throat on that one. I mean, we're, we're just, we're direct, man. This is us. Like, I mean, there's a reason why you and I finished off multiple bottles of scotch in our, in our times together. Um, we don't have, we don't have that wall anymore. We do not have that wall. And you know what? I think we might be due for an above the fold with scotch at some point. We may get a completely <laughs> different color of podcast at that point. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. It's got it likely has to be in person though. I mean, drinking scotch with each other, but on the phone, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be the same thing. It's really going to be a balance beam. I think we're going to fall on one side or the other. Like we're either going to make it huge, or we're just going to splatter on the ground and make a total yeah. mess of ourselves. Let's get this show on the road, man. And um, again, another uh, prop to Greg out at. Um, He's at Castleford, by the oh, way. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. Castleford uh, Content Marketing in uh, New Zealand. Um, What's his Rowden. last name again, I'm sorry Francis? If I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, man. I should have asked you yesterday. Um, I can't wait to, to get the angry email via chat or whatever um, saying, hey, we're not talking anymore, man. Um, anyway, he, um, he suggested that, you know what, maybe we give the audience kind of a heads up, you know, a quick list of what we're going to talk about. Um, give you guys a clue as to where this journey is going to take us today. So what Jeff and I talked about was like, you know, we'll do the list, but let's make sure these terms are vague. So it's still kind of a surprise. So right now that is, um, here's the list, three things, rage bait, dumpster fire, brand size. That's what we're going to, uh, that's what we're going to jump into. And our first one is, um, is rage bait. And Jeff, this is going to be for you. Um, Little backstory here. My dad sent me an article about SEO, and basically the uh, premise of the article was six reasons SEO may not be right for your business. I picked three of them, <laughs> and I'm going to throw them at you, and we're going to see what happens. This is going to be the 22nd download. I'll be timing you. You got 20 seconds to react to these three things. You ready? <laughs> I'm going to need a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, whatever. Let's here we go. go. Here we go. So. Here, I'm this, here's the setup. I'm a prospect. I'm saying, you know what? SEO ain't right for me because there's low keyword volume. I serve a small local market. Competition is too strong. Go. Are you kidding me? Are customers not right for you? Of course, SEO is right for you. That's just like saying, I want to start a business and not sell anything to anybody. Yeah, of course you need SEO. Even if you're small, you still need to set up a local SEO type of strategy so people can find you. Okay, you don't have enough search volume. There's always, or do you have enough customers? Done. You're done. Ooh, You're done. Jeez, that went quick. Yep. Yes, sir. Wow. Okay. There's, there is a lot to unpack on this one. Um, let me, yeah. uh, all right, let, let's take these topic by topic here. Um, you said you had three items that were part of this discussion, right? Let, hit, hit me with right. each one of those so that I can take a breath okay, and okay. I can so. properly address it like a, <laughs> like a civilized human being. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I thought you'd be angrier, but maybe that's just going to come out a little bit, uh, as we talk. As I we can't talk be further. angry. It's too silly. It's a ridiculous <laughs> question. I mean, it's not, 
it's, it's too absurd. It's like you don't get mad at somebody. You don't get mad at Forrest Gump, right? Like, it's just too silly. No, it's can't. just too silly. All right, all right. Breathe. Take that breath. Yeah, uh, first good. one, low-key low word volume. Okay. So saying that you have too low of a keyword volume is like saying that there's not enough customers out there to support your business, right? Mm -hmm. So if there are customers out there to support your business and buy all the crap that you're selling, whether it's a service or a product, then there are people searching it, period. There's there's nothing to add to that. That's I mean, if there's enough people <laughs> to support you as a business, then there are enough people, there's enough search volume to be to be found. They are using, like we mentioned in previous podcasts, they are using language in search to find your products and services. And if you're saying that there aren't enough people to do that, then there aren't enough people to run your business and you probably need to find a new business. So, I mean, assuming the business is is working, you know, and then, but the, the, it's the perception, you know, they, they have the perception of there's low, that people aren't searching for their keywords, there's low keyword volume. I guess the, the real question is how do you get again how do you how do you combat that? How do you get over that hill in the sense that, hey, you know what, prospect? That's not actually accurate. Like kind of what you're saying. You have customers out there. But I guess where is that? Where where do you get the customers to start searching for a keyword for that business to suddenly not worry about low keyword volume? Okay. This this is actually a pretty good question because this has come up specifically with a client that I had years ago. Uh, they came to us and said, well, we don't have keywords. We are very mm. specific. Like they were a online consultancy, business consultancy for very, yeah. very specific things, um, which is my veiled way of saying, I don't know what the hell they did. Um, but <laughs> they did very, very specific things for their clients. And they said that they didn't have any keywords. So what I said back to them was, all right, look, every single, and I am a, firm believer in this. Every single company has keywords. There are keywords that can be found. And they came to us after about two different vendors who said, no, you don't have any keywords, including somebody from Google. They said like, oh yeah, some rep from Google said you don't have keywords. Like, all right, that's, that's <laughs> BS. What you need to do is you need to figure out not what keywords you would use, what keywords mm -hmm. or what types of language um, are your customers having? when they're talking mm. with you. So when you're talking with them in person, how do they refer to your products and what kind of things are they searching? Because they're likely not using the language that you're using. You're deeply ingrained in whatever uh, niche stuff it is that you're selling, right? So you're gonna know what the language is. They're not. They're gonna be searching something completely different because they don't do, they don't make industrial ethernet cables. They're gonna be searching for giant cable thingy in warehouse. Right? Yeah. So yeah. you gotta figure out if your customers are searching giant cable thingy in warehouse and you need to write content for that because that's what your customers are searching. That's not what you're searching. So that's the first part of that. Um, the second part and is- I think that's that's very true. I mean, if you don't listen to your audience, if you're not in, you know, kind of kind of um, with them in that, in that sense, you are, you're just not talking to the right person. You're not even talking the right language to each other. Um, if, if, if it's, 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 it's a miss basically. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way to put it. You're speaking two different languages. So you need to get on the same page with the language. Second part is the like once you find it and if you are in a niche like we're talking about, um, yeah. low search volume. Yeah, that's that's part of it. By definition, you being in a very small space means you're going to have a low search volume because there's not many people searching it. However, the flip side of that 
Usually those low search volume keywords have very low difficulty scores. So your odds okay. of ranking for those are very high. Not to mention yep. the intent of somebody searching one of those keywords. They know, I mean, at that point, if they're searching very specific stuff, like I mentioned, industrial ethernet solutions, they know mm -hmm. what they're looking for. They're shopping. They've got their credit yeah. card on their laptop and they're comparing vendors right now. And they're like, who do I give my money to? So you've, you've kind of got a double benefit here. So I, I would argue that in these particular instances, I can show better results for customers because I can figure out what those keywords are just by asking some of the customers, their customers, customers. Um, and we can Especially in a, in a smaller local market too, because totally. I mean, if they're, they're right there, you actually may even have access in person to a lot of these people. You'll oh, be yeah. able to kind of figure out, you know, what's going on and so on. Um, I have to imagine it, and we don't have to get into this part, but it's more, probably more complicated if a, a business is in a small local market and they're actually trying to expand. And maybe you, then you're up against languages in the sense of like comparing local language, local phrases to national ones. Um, which could uh, which could combat each other. Could yeah, I, I don't run into that too often, um, but yeah, I, I, that is that is a possibility. I, I would argue that some of these instances that you're talking about with low search volume, uh, mm. niche types of players, eh, you know what, you might actually be better served in SEO with these types of plays than you would something that somebody's in like a mainstream market. Like I would much rather do SEO for somebody that's in industrial Ethernet solutions than car insurance. Like, I mean, uh, oh my God, good luck competing with some of the powerhouses out there. You know, you're just <laughs> sure the search volume's there. You're never gonna see any of it because you're gonna get swamped out by Geico and Allstate and um, Allstate. That's that, uh, the deep voice guy, right? Yeah, that's the deep voice guy. <laughs> yeah, right, those guys. That's, you're gonna get, you're just gonna get swamped out by those guys. Okay, last point on this. If the competition is too strong, then you need to find different keywords. So you need to figure out like what I'd what I'd call the white space, and that's mm -hmm. keywords that none of your competitors are using. That your again that your audience is probably using. There is right. always white space. There are always keywords that are untouched that don't have any competition yet. Um, so you just got to figure out what those are. For example, let, let me just get back to the car insurance one. That because that's a really really good one. Um, yeah. You're going to be way, 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 way crowded out for car insurance, car insurance quotes, uh, all of the variant terms for that. However, you might not be crowded out for a very specific local search. Like, um, where was that place that you were on vacation? Outer Banks, North Car Outer Banks in North Carolina. Car quotes, Outer Banks, North Carolina. All right. So maybe you do like a local search play um, yeah. or you just get into very, very specific terms that have a low search volume that nobody owns. So I, I would much rather grab up like 10 to 20 terms that only search, you know, 10, 15, 20 times per month and rank on the first page for those than try to target some massive term that you're never going to get any traction on that searches, you know, 10,000 times per month. So just, I mean, at the end of it, we're getting up to the time, at the end of the segment here, takeaways from this, you know, um, the idea that the, the prospect saying that this is their perception, um, reaction how what what should happen here man like if someone is up against a prospect saying these things if they if an actual prospect is listening to this what should they understand from from your rage bait reaction here okay if you are a for-profit business you should be doing seo you need to take that into consideration because there is there are gains to be had 
for you. And the world is moving. If not already completely moved online, they are moving online in every single market, no matter how niche you think you are. So Mm -hmm. you need SEO. And there is, if you've got a a strong strategist that can do good keyword research, um, there are keywords for you that you can own. Noted. SEO is important. Stop saying otherwise. Jeff Baker's still mad. No, you know what? I think this was cathartic. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I feel uh, I feel a little lighter. Thank you. You, you helped me release some of that uh, some of that stored up energy. Whoa, um, whoa! Keep this, keep this clean, man. Don't release, don't release anything <laughs> right now. Come on, let's uh, let's be civil. Let's be civil. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. All right, I got one for you. Um, so topic okay. two here. All right. Um, you know what? This one doesn't need any sort of context. I'm just going okay. to, I'm going to lay it on you. Okay. Um, okay. Are All you right. ready for your 22nd download, Franny Poo? Let's go. Let's go. Francis, how can your content end up as a total dumpster fire? <laughs> go. Uh, 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 quality, misspellings, wrong, uh, wrong keywords, wrong audience. You're not listening to, you're not writing to the right audience. Um, you've completely missed the mark in, in terms of tone. Uh, maybe even talking something that's should be more professional and you're being more casual. Um, uh, there's topics. Time. Why? I don't, oh man. Did I mention topics twice? I felt like I mentioned topics twice in that I thing. I, just, I wasn't paying attention. I was just like, <laughs> Uh, you know, dumpster. But, no matter where I am, dumpster fire. That phrase will always make me laugh. <laughs> so you kind of, you kind of, yeah. <laughs> it, it paints a perfect picture of a disaster scenario. I mean, you've got first off, dumpsters are are terrible, smelly places. Second yeah. off, there's garbage in it and it's on fire. I mean, it, like it is a perfect worst case scenario. You've got smoking garbage. Like everything has gone wrong in, in your life. Uh, okay, so getting back to the topic, you yeah. dove, you know what? It, it was kind of interesting. You dove straight into like some of the technical aspects of writing. You, for, I think you first started off with misspellings. Um, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell well, me here's about the thing, how, but, okay. it, it, just explain to me because that doesn't get to me as much as it gets to other people. Like I see typos yeah. and go, oh, okay, whatever. Some people will see a typo and just go total rage cage and be like, oh, this these guys are do not know what they're talking about. I have to discount everything that comes after the typo. Explain right. that to me. Well, I mean, you've said this before, man. Each month, there's 83 million blogs, right, out there in the out there on the on, on the interwebs. And um, for me, for someone um, uh, you know, English major, journalism uh, journalism major, uh, when you see a typo. It's almost as if suddenly my brain goes into like, well, who read this? Who edited this? Why didn't they catch this? Why is it that word that they messed up? How do they mess up there and there? And then it takes me out. Basically, it's an exit. Each story, each kind of piece of content has kind of these exit points, no matter where where you are or how long it is. And one of them for me is a typo. The second I see a typo, I'm gone. You know, my brain shifts lanes and I'm thinking about that typo. I do move on from it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I still read the article, but suddenly I'm reading the article with this new set of eyes of saying, well, there was a typo in this and, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. something happened. I don't know. So it kind of it loses its um, 
it can lose authority in my eyes. It can lose um, quality. It's already going downhill. Um, in my mind, it's already kind of starting to tick into, well, I don't know how, you I mean, if there was a typo, what else did they miss? Um, All right, so in, you're in, kind in, of like, from your standpoint, this is a total credibility issue. Your credibility goes out the window the second that you prove that you don't know how to do the basic things yeah. that you need to do to write a proper piece of content. So I, I guess for a similar thing for me would be if I was reading an article and the, in the first paragraph they used, you know, say for example, this is an article about SEO and the first paragraph they used some sort of phrase that nobody in the SEO industry would use. <laughs> Everything yeah. after that, yeah. I'm just throwing out the window and assuming these guys have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Is that like a similar scenario that you're talking That's Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, gotcha. I, I, I'll even see it with um, New York Times articles. And even that's kind of like, I feel like that's even worse. It's like, I feel like what you guys should have caught this, you know. Um, but and, but anyway, that's that's what happens in my brain with typos. OK, let's uh, d dive into some of the other topics that you're talking about as far as thematic stuff like um, yeah. actual the actual content that you write, um, the topics that you select. Uh, mm -hmm. How did those end up a total mess and create the aforementioned dumpster fire? <laughs> See, Still every time <laughs> I even know it's coming and then I hear it and it's just automatic, automatic giggles um, <laughs> with, with with topics. If it's always it's always going to be a process, you know, you, you, you start a relationship, you start a kind of connection with a, with a client or a prospect. And you're, you're thinking about these are the topics I think, you know, my audience uh, is going to appreciate. I think the operative where there's thinks. Um, and so you start at a place and you start kind of like, you know, getting closer to wherever that center is. Where the thing <laughs> where the content ends up in a dumpster fire is when um, someone says these are the topics, you know. These are absolutely the topics. Nothing is going to change my mind. No audience, no comments, no analytical report, no data is going to change my mind. I want these topics because me owning the website, I want to see this headline or phrase in my blog. So you're um, talking about the megalomaniac dictator. Yeah. yeah. Content, and like this is an extreme manager. example. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an extreme example, but it's, you know, elements, shades of it do exist. And when that flexibility doesn't exist um, is where you inch closer to that dumpster fire. You know, topics are always going to be um, something that has to be figured out that you have to inch toward. You know, you don't build an audience with one magic bullet of a topic. You know, it's it's got to be an ongoing thing. This topic begets that topic begets that one. Um, and it's got to build up to something. And you don't do that with one or even five. It's, it's really got to take time. Right. So where I've seen, I'm going to jump in here and, and add to this dumpster fire. <laughs> I've got my, I got my can of gasoline and I'm going to throw some of this, some more on this. Okay, um, okay. Where I've seen things go wrong is brands that think they're way more important than they are. And mm. what I mean, what I mean by that is in like topic selection for one, uh, they yeah. want to talk about themselves and they want to talk about the topics that they want to talk about rather than topics that their audience want to talk about. So um, a, a good example would be like, uh, you know, in every article, we need to refer back to our products in some way. We need to mm. tie this back to a product. We need to tie this back to a service. Um, no, you don't. Like I said, there's or like you said, there's 83 million blogs per day. Uh, no, they're there. Your visitors are there to learn um, and they're there to be entertained. 
If you're not doing either one of those things, if you're pitching them, they don't care about you. Like I've said this before, nobody cares about your business but you. So mm-hmm. you need to offer something to your readers that's of value. Um, and by pitching them in a blog post, nobody's got time. Ain't nobody got time for that. So I think <laughs> if you overemphasize your brand, you think people, assuming people care about you, that's that's the first place you can go wrong. Thoughts on that? I, I I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if if you're not if if you're not listening to the audience, if you are are just kind of going down that road, it's 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 not going to be it's not going to be helpful at all. Um, I there's so many instances where where because of of the the singular vision of anybody on on uh, via brand website whatever, um, and it, it kind of dictates everything. It just leads you down, the, and then it, you go into this ROI conversation. Well, we've done all these topics. We did what you said. Here's your ROI. It's not what you expected because you're not listening to your audience. You're not providing the information. You're not. And to be honest, no one wants to be sold to. You know, we, there's a savvy audience out there that understands sales language to a degree, understands that when the content suddenly veers or, or, or shifts that, oh, they're selling me now. You know, you don't need to do that. You, you're exactly right that it, it has to be insightful. The audience has to get something out of it. Being sold to every single time is not is not it. Um, that's a, the, yeah, that's a that's a problem. Like we'll work with people and they will do things like this. We want to talk about this and this and this and that. And then by the time it comes to showing some sort of ROI, um, meaning, you know, who's come to the site and read the mm. content yeah. and they are just shocked, absolutely shocked that nobody's coming and reading their content because essentially they've just built a shrine to themselves. They would have been better served just writing a personal blog about the things that yeah. they want to write about on a free WordPress or Tumblr site. Funny, that's true, actually. Being more genuine, you know, and making that connection. We've talked about this before. It's connecting with the audience, you know, way, way better than kind of presenting, the, you know, hey, this is the thing that I have. This is the service or product that I have that could help you. No, connecting in some sort of like deep, profound, well, maybe profound is a little bit too deep, but a deep way with the audience where they understand this is who they are, this is who they stand for and what they, right. what they, uh, what they care about. Um, that's huge. And you, the brands that do it well, do it really well. I think the brands that try, um, you can tell they're trying, but it's just, it's not getting there because honestly being genuine online can be scary. Yeah. And I think that these brands need to get these, they need to understand what a blog is. Like blogs are not meant to be white papers. They're not meant to be encyclopedias that take a year to write and an entire village to approve. Mm -hmm. I've seen blog posts take three months and nine different people involved in the editing process. And <laughs> it, it just takes forever to get out the door. And then nobody comes to the blog. That's not the point. You need to write good content for your audience and get it out the door as fast as possible. Okay, we've got uh, about 30 seconds, Francis. Uh, put a bow on this thing. So avoiding the dumpster fire. Listen to your audience. Know that topic generation is a process and not a you know one or two shot deal. Um, and understand that it's not about you. You know, you want to connect with your prospects, with your clients. Um, make sure that's there. Well put. All right. Thank you. All right. 
You're up, man. You get the you get the third one. This is brand size. So um, again, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to give you any context here whatsoever. I will say that actually this kind of is a good segue to where we were kind of ending with the last one. Anyway, here we go. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Hit me. Here we go. You got your got your you got your stopwatch ready? I I do. I pathetically right. do because I need something to help time twenty seconds for me. <laughs> here we go. Does the size of your brand dictate what you can and can't say on social media? Okay. No. Uh, you 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 need to be funny. You need to be human. Uh, I the best social media accounts are the ones that aren't stuffy that don't take three layers of approval uh, in order to get out the door. So I think the more that you appear human and the more funny stuff that you post, the more audience, uh, the more your audience is going to appreciate. Done. Um, I think this is interesting because what you just said at the end, as long as, you know, posting something funny, I think that is very, it, it can be dangerous online. What's funny to one person might not be funny at all to somebody else. Like there's almost an internet funny that you have to be, you know, hit that, that small or medium sized target for this to work. Dude, I, I know. And I'm going to be, I'm going to go against my instincts on this one. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I really am. And I, I think you've got a good point there in that you are funny will offend somebody, no matter what, even people that go to comedy shows will still get really mad and offended by some sort of joke, even though that they, even though they went and signed up to hear funny. So, right. yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole spectrum of what people think is funny. So it, it, as a big brand, you could risk a lot because as you get bigger, you've got more of a spotlight on you, especially on social media. Um, right. I mean, just take, take any of the athletes that tweet dumb things and they just get lit up <laughs> by the public. Um, it happens almost regularly. It's, you know, what? if I were, uh, if I were a coach for a major league team, any major league team, I would ban all my players from Twitter. End of story. You get fined every time you tweet because nothing good <laughs> Honestly, nothing good comes from a tweet that comes out from an athlete. Like they're just constantly landing themselves in hot water. So I, I find myself going further and further closer to what or closer and closer to what you're saying here. Um, yeah. However, there there are instances where major brands uh, are pretty damn funny on social media. And that's memorable. I mean, that's a lot more memorable than just putting out a bunch of impotent tweets about their articles and, you know, totally safe, safe and sane tweets that nobody ever wants to read about here. I actually, I pulled up an example on the fly here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's an article. Okay. I'm going to read you the title. Police okay. are looking for a female jogger who regularly poops outside people's homes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, Charmin. Charmin, the uh, the toilet yeah, paper yeah, brand? T- yeah, yeah. All right. They tweeted, if the hashtag mad pooper turns herself in, we'll give her a year's supply of toilet paper to help with her runs. Quote, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> with the smiley face poop emoji. Wow. Now, yeah, okay. That's amazing. So, yeah, that's amazing. I, re- <laughs> I realize some people might be offended by poop. Um, however... If you can't laugh at hashtag mad pooper, then you know what? I don't want you as a I don't want you as a customer. That is hilarious. 
Oh, I, I agree. I agree. Sorry, that was a phone that just went off. If you heard that, um, is this not anyway. our time? I, this is this is our time. I know it's Francis. our time. Someone's disrespecting our time. I don't appreciate time. that. I'll you add. I'll add another thirty seconds to our time. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's going to go in deep into our uh, into our relationship now about how we don't have enough time for each other. You want to go? You want to just not talk about brand size and just go right into that? Uh, let's say that for now. I think we need to take that one. We need to take that one offline. I'm not going to subject subject our poor audience to that. Anyway, I know how I mean, that's used and abused in the relationship. <laughs> Untrue. Need I remember the picture on my wall? Um, I I agree. I mean, uh, there that's funny, Charmin. Good job. And um, <laughs> other brands do it well too. I mean, the one that always comes to my mind is Wendy's. The anytime Wendy's makes a tweet. It's like a news story. It's not. It's one tweet, and then they get all this coverage because it's funny, and it's it's up. It's go. They're going up against McDonald's, or they they're saying something in the news, or something like that. Um, what's interesting to me is that prior, and I don't know when. It, I have no understanding of how or when this happened, but at some point they decided to have that personality, to have that tone, and then they went with it, you know. And and they've been able to kind of parcel it out on you know a very like. Uh, almost like handing it out specifically at, at certain instances, and it's, it's, it's been working well. But the fact that I, I don't even, let's be honest, man, I don't even eat at Wendy's all that much. I love when they tweet, <laughs> and I will talk Dude, about it to people when, you know, when, when I see them. Literally, that was the next thing on this list of this article that I pulled up was Wendy's. Oh, what, was it? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to give you like a, give me 30 seconds. I'll read through a couple of these tweets here. Wendy's tweets out, our beef is way too cool to ever be frozen. Sunglasses, smiley face emoji. <laughs> Guy tweets back at him and starts a war. You don't, for the audience, you don't start a war with Wendy's on social media because they don't care. They'll just get at you. <laughs> so this guy tweets back at him. Your beef is frozen. We all know it. Y'all know we laugh at your slogan, fresh, never frozen, right? Like you're really a joke. Wendy's tweets back. Sorry to hear you think that, but you're wrong. We've only used fresh beef since we were found in 69. This guy doubles down. Y'all should give up. Hashtag McDonald's, or sorry, at McDonald's got you guys beat with a dope-ass breakfast. Wendy <laughs> says, you don't have to bring into this just because you forgot refrigerators existed for a second there. Dude, <laughs> strong. Owned. Wendy's owned. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, See? That's good. That's, that's amazing. I'm not a square burger. F I'm not a Wendy's guy. I'm not a square burger guy. However... I am a, I like to be entertained guy. And yeah. you know, I, I remember Wendy's as the people that actually are funny and have a brand voice. Yeah. Um, they're unafraid. And so, Absolutely. yeah, maybe they lose, maybe they lose. All right, let's play this out. Maybe you lose 10% of your customers because this uh, offended somebody out there that's particularly uh, soft on talking about frozen meat. <laughs> um, however, what about the 50% of their audience that just doubled down on their investment in Wendy's because they just realized, hey, this company that I really, really like already, and I go, I regularly eat square patties, um, they just proved that they're funny and human. I'm, you know what? I'm going to go to Wendy's today. I'm going to go there three times a week until I weigh a metric ton. You know, maybe you get more brand loyalty out of the people that you really want. I mean, consider this. We're two dudes who don't normally go to Wendy's and we're talking about Wendy's for at least the past two minutes. I'm actually getting hungry now. Like, we're exactly <laughs> so my. what should be happening for Wendy's. Like, the fact that they've done this, they have two prospects here that are thinking, hey, you know what? I could use a square burger right now that isn't frozen <laughs> meat. And I'm going to find the Wendy's that's in downtown Crossing in Boston. Um, 
it's it's I, that's exactly what that that should be doing. It's it's an instance of when marketing I think is actually working, and the the fact that you know it goes from tweet to news story since you just read it to where we are talking about it now in a podcast to our stomachs being that I am hungry now. I want fries and a burger. It just spiked. Seriously, the hunger just spiked as I said that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's something to that, knowing that this isn't just like a faceless, cold institution. Um, you know, this is people with a sense of humor. I, I think of Wendy's now and I'm thinking, ah, yeah, these are these are regular dudes, you know, just having a barbecue with their square burgers. Um, and yeah, you, you got me. And uh, as our CEO likes to say, with your content, either teach me something, entertain me or get the hell out of the way. <laughs> Actually, I just I improvise. I improvise that third one. He's actually much, say, more yeah, he's, much more professional. That's not very that's not very Tom, is it? Uh, he's much more <laughs> professional than I am. Um, but I, I, I paraphrase and I embellish. However, that's I think that basic three tenets holds true. And I think it's pretty, pretty well tied into everything that we talked about here today. I think going a little further, I think the one thing. I would like to talk about at some other point is when does a big like Wendy's when does a big brand or established brand how do they change their tone how do they suddenly go into the other lane of like you know we're gonna do this and what is what is the thinking behind that like how how do they become so focused and be like you know what I don't care if it's gonna be weird for the first month first two months this is who we are and we're gonna run at it because that that that's more interesting to me than like you know should the size of your brand dictate what you say or, or don't say. I think when you are a larger brand, how do you make that choice? How do you make that shift where suddenly you're not just Wendy's anymore? You're you're Wendy's on Twitter and it's hilarious. And, you know, other people who have never eaten at Wendy's now want to eat there because you're funny online. I would love to find out how that happened. I, I think this is a matter of not having... Uh, okay, so an expression that I got from Avinash Kavanaugh. It's so like one of my all-time SEO favorite people, one of the most yeah. uh, well-known, whatever. Um, he calls them hippos, highest per, highest paid person in the room, hippo decisions. Okay. So usually when you get a hippo decision, it's a little bit more conservative and it's a little bit like, yeah, not, not so creative for the okay. most part. Um, I think this is a, this type of thing is the result of not having eight hippos in the room and making a decision. I think this is just a like you roll with it, right? So yeah. they they probably just said, "Hey, you know what? Let's just try a couple tweets where we are acting like we're talking to a friend." And it probably picked up steam and it, it's obviously it's working. We're talking about them right now. Yeah, we have been. I mean, we could have just dedicate our whole podcast to Wendy's and eating burgers. Um, we probably should have. We could, we could just do 30 minutes of reading their tweets <laughs> again. I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I'll turn off the ringer next time. Um, but you know what? We'll use that as a thing to say this is getting wrapped up. So size of your brand dictating social media. Wrap this up with a bow, Jeff Baker. Um, what's the takeaway here? So takeaway is for me, yeah, you are running a bigger risk when you have a bigger spotlight on you. So if you're a larger company... You could tweet things and you probably will tweet things that are going to be offensive. Um, however, I think you need to run that risk because it you run if you don't get a little bit edgy and you don't get a little bit risky, you run a bigger risk of just seeming flat and impotent. Oh, that was a little too visual. 
I don't know. That might get left on the cutting room floor. Oh, there we go again. No, nope. you may run nope, the risk all there. of having very, uh, very mundane and beige types of tweets and communications with your audience, and that's that's just not going to work. That's not going to be memorable. So I think you're going to have to risk the ten percent for the 50% of mm. customers that are going to be extra loyal to you if you show that interesting brand voice. Yeah, just be you. Just be genuine. Get yourself out there, you know? Just be you, a man. A couple new friends. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Let's, yes, let's wrap. I think that uh, wraps this thing up nicely. I've, I've had about enough of you today, Francis. I um, under, no, Me too. Right back at you. No, no, no offense. You know, you've got a you've got a shelf life, and I think we've reached the expiration date. <laughs> so, with that, let's tie this whole thing together. Um, you've uh, this is Brafton, Jeff, and Francis. You can reach us at brafton.com. You can reach Francis on Twitter at at McFancy. Is that right, Francis? M C F A N C Y. It is, and I should probably start tweeting stuff because I haven't done any of that. But that that is that is where I'm at. You can find me at Baker Rhythms, B-A-K-E-R underscore R-I-T-H-M-S. You can also now find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts, right? That's right. And now it feels real. It feels real that we're out there. We're being genuine. And, you know, my dad can find us, you know, on iTunes. (laughs) Well, maybe he can find us on iTunes. I'm actually not sure if he but the, the potential is there, which is always... Uh, what are what we going to do when we reach our goal and we can explain content marketing to your mom <laughs> and she understands what it is? Do we quit? Do we just hang it up? We hang it up, man. If my mom can be on this podcast and explain content marketing to you, I, I think it's done. That's that's the ultimate goal. <laughs> All, right. All right, Francis. All right, everybody. We will see you on the next version of Above the Fold. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.